The following is a Westminster Seminary, California morning devotion given by Dr. Michael Horton. For more information about this message or about Westminster Seminary, California, visit us online, wscal.edu, or call 888-480-8474. Online, wscal.edu, or call 888-480-8474. Turn in your Bibles, if you will, to John chapter 11. Uh, this is a series of the gospel in the gospels. And so I can think of uh, no better passage for that than John chapter 11, because uh, we see here very clearly uh, a moment in which the gospel becomes especially focused in this climactic sign. This is, as you know, the, the, uh, the greatest sign in uh, Jesus' ministry thus far, in John's gospel, uh, John's gospel is uh, bound by the connection between Jesus' signs and his testimony concerning himself. So he feeds 5,000 and proclaims himself the bread of life. Uh, he, here, he uh, proclaims himself the resurrection and the life after raising Lazarus. And so this is the climactic sign particularly because it points to his own resurrection, the beginning of the new creation, and it's also the, the sign that leads the Pharisees, uh, the religious leaders, uh, and the Sadducees as well to uh, begin to plot his death. First of all, uh, let me read verses 17 through 27. Uh, now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days, Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, but Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would, never had, would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. First of all, I didn't read all of the passages before this, but it's, a, it's, it's an interesting, almost comical uh, prelude to this uh, particular uh, event. First of all, it's clear that these are people who are dear to the Lord, that Mary, who anointed Jesus, and Lazarus, whom Jesus loved. So uh, the gospel is already setting us up for the... The, the paradox of Jesus suspending his immediate travel to uh, Bethany to heal Lazarus in light of the fact that he loves him so much. Why on earth would he not run quickly? Jesus deliberately stays two more days. And you can imagine that, that Mary and Martha, Lazarus uh, uh, is, is dying, not quite dead yet, uh, He's dying, and, and Jesus seems callous. He had healed Jairus so quickly and immediately. Somebody didn't even know. Surely he would come running when his best friend 
is lying on the brink of death. Against all odds, however, Jesus wants to show his power. Look at uh, verses 7 to 16 here briefly. Then after this, he said to the disciples, Let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you, and you're going there again? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. After saying these things, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he's fallen asleep, he'll recover. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he meant taking rest and sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died And for your sake, I am glad that I was not here so that you may believe, but let us go to him. So Thomas called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us go that we may die with him. Now again, there's a lot of paradox, but also a little bit of comedy here. Uh, Always when you throw Thomas in the mix. But uh, Jesus here, first of all, in terms of the paradox, is, is, is... telling them that because Lazarus has died, he's going to remain for two days without coming to Bethany. And of course the disciples are confused by this. They don't really want to go to Bethany, but they also don't know why Jesus is deliberately pausing here. Uh, And for your sake, Jesus makes it even more confusing, for your sake I am glad that I was not there so that you may believe. Now, that's the clue, I think, to this whole passage. That you may believe. I was glad that I was not there for your sake, so that you may believe. And so now we come back to the main part of the passage that I read. And it's very clear that throughout the Gospel of John, it's always Jesus' time. He he does what he wants when he wants to do it. No one has any power or authority over him, ultimately. He goes to the cross when he wants to go to the cross. It is his hour. The only authority above Jesus is the Father. Uh, In in his humiliation, he's always obedient uh, to the Father's will and timing. But it's his mission, his time. He'll go when it's time. Just as he'll go to the cross when it's time, he'll go to Bethany when it's time. Now, Thomas uh, clearly doesn't want to go to Bethany. (laughs) doesn't want to go anywhere where there's trouble. Uh, Thomas really kind of like, likes to, to uh, be, stay pretty close to comfort and safety, it seems. And, 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 uh, but I love his comic relief. He says, uh, yeah, so, okay, let's go, to, let's, let's, let's go to Bethany so we can die with him. Not enough that Lazarus died. Let's just, you know, rank, rack up the, the numbers of dead from this episode. And uh, Jesus does finally come, but the interval is four days. So Lazarus now has been dead for four days. And Martha comes out more willing to express her frustration than Mary, who is, is still uh, sitting inside the house. But although she expresses disappointment with the delay, why, why, why didn't you come when you heard Lazarus was dead? She still believes that he can turn things around. Even now, she says, I believe that you can raise him from the dead. 
Amazing faith. Alongside amazing frustration. Why on earth weren't you here when you were supposed to be here? My timing. When the timing seemed empirically right. And so Jesus says, your brother will rise again. And you can imagine that at this point, uh, Martha is saying, uh, is this a really good time for a theology lesson? Can we, can we postpone catechism for tomorrow? Uh, right now, I'm in a different place. Jesus, uh, Yes, I know. Yes, Lord, Master, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection. I'm a Pharisee, of course. I believe that. Check. So she has the right belief, she has the right doctrine, but she hasn't yet moved into the story herself. She's been sitting in the bleachers, watching him, thinking, what a great miracle worker, happy to turn over her house, surrender all of her hospitality to Jesus and his troop, but is on the sidelines, working for him, doing things for him but hasn't yet moved from the stands out onto the stage herself. And so Jesus is calling her onto the stage. I know that even now, whatever you ask from God, God will give you. See? I know that God really likes you. (laughs) God gives you anything you want. I've seen it. It's sort of like Philip. Jesus gets right up to the edge, getting a confession from Philip, uh, a, a robust confession of his divinity, and he gets right up to the edge, and, and Philip says, yeah, you're great. You are awesome. Now, show us the Father. Philip, how long have you been with me? And you don't realize he who has seen me has seen the Father. I and the Father are one. And something similar is happening here as Jesus is trying to move Martha from a good catechist to a believer, from the stands onto the stage. Martha, it's not just that God gives me everything that I want, and we are really tight. I am the resurrection and the life. Do you believe this? And she said to him, Yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God who is coming into the world. That is why the episode happened. Have we forgotten about Lazarus? <laughs> it's titled The Death of Lazarus and the Resurrection of Lazarus. Have we forgotten completely about Lazarus? Almost. We've almost completely forgotten about Lazarus because as much as Jesus loved Lazarus and you know the rest of the story, Jesus wept. That's not the reason for the episode. The reason for the episode was given to us already in verse uh, uh 13, now Jesus had spoken of his death 
But he, he told them plainly, Lazarus has died, and for your sake I am glad that I was not here so that you may believe. That's the purpose for everything that has gone on so far. That's the point of the whole story, to bring about that confession of faith. In every story, let me just pause here for a moment, in every story of our lives, whether it's as dramatic as as, uh, something like death or not, in every episode of our lives, this is what it's all about. The whole point is to bring us to the place where we move from the stands out onto the field or out onto the stage and we become part of the cast of God's unfolding drama. Not only say, yes, I believe in the resurrection, but we move onto the stage and say, I am one of the cast united to you as the resurrection and the life. Mary then joins Martha and says, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. Jesus could imagine saying, yes, I've heard all this already from your sister. Uh, But Jesus' own soul now really begins to move in, uh, in turmoil as he sees the mourners and recognizes the weight that death leaves. Suddenly, he finds himself as one of the mourners. He joins the mourners. Um, So he joins us. Not only does Martha join Jesus out on the stage, the focus is on them, not on Lazarus, but on them and the confession that Martha makes. But Jesus comes to those who are in the stands and he comforts them. The religious leaders, we're told, are already lurking around in every one of the episodes, of course, every scene in the story, the serpent is somewhere, sleeping in the tree, hanging from the tree, slithering through the grass, somewhere, but he's somewhere in the background uh, or the foreground. Here he's in the foreground. Already the Pharisees and the Sadducees are looking at this, watching this closely, seeing if this is an opportunity to catch Jesus. Jesus here overthrows every stoic conception of reality. Uh, He was deeply moved, and the verb here is to snort like a horse. (sighs) Deeply troubled. Same verb that was used when Herod was deeply troubled to hear the news of a king born in Bethlehem. Deeply troubled like the disciples when they were on the sea, and they were fearing for their own lives, but now they were more deeply troubled because Jesus had command over the sea. That deeply troubled. Now Jesus is someone thrown off his horse by the reality of this world and its fallen condition. Jesus himself becomes one of the mourners, even though in five minutes he's going to become the one who raises Lazarus from the dead. It overthrows everything that you get. I remember when my uh, dad died, I got cards that, that said, the setting of the sun is as beautiful as it's rising. Snail frocky, as my grandma would say. That's the most ridiculous thing in the world. Setting of the sun is as beautiful as it's rising. Seriously? Death hanging, you know, from a, uh, a, a tube, tubes hanging all over you. That's, that's, that's so beautiful. That's just amazing in its beauty compared to the birth of a baby. 
Right? We say all kinds of stupid things to each other at very difficult times. It's better to say nothing at all than to say stupid things. Or death is a natural part of life. You know, watch The Lion King again and you'll get the whole story. No, Jesus was deeply moved. He was deeply troubled, even though he knew in five minutes he was going to raise Jesus from the dead. And he wept. Then we read later, verses 38 to 44, that Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. So the resurrection of Lazarus isn't really about Lazarus, but that doesn't mean that Jesus doesn't care about Lazarus. Both are true. But it's very important to see that it's a sign of something greater, the climactic event that is not a sign, but the reality, the resurrection of Jesus. And you can imagine that there may have been even some people standing there who would have been witnesses of that greater resurrection. Lazarus was raised, but he went on living in his fallen body and condition. He wasn't raised as part of the new creation. His body was not part of the new creation. It was, it was just picking up where he left off. That's not our resurrection. That's not what we're looking for, picking up where we left off and then dying again. But one day, one day he'll be raised with us together because of the greater resurrection that Jesus accomplished not that long after he performed this miracle. Well, as with the preaching and the signs throughout John's gospel, here the effect is division. Many believed and many sought to kill Jesus. But the stakes were higher now as, as the, the religious leaders were more intent now on arresting Jesus and putting him on trial. They hated Jesus precisely to the extent that he was the resurrection and the life. They were, in a sense, really possessed by Satan. Satan hates life. Satan hates resurrection. And that's precisely why, to the degree he fulfills his mission, they hate him. Well, the good news, brothers and sisters, is that death is not a portal to life. It's not a benign friend, but it is the last enemy. And it has already objectively been defeated by Jesus in his death and resurrection. And he's coming for you. Now, have you moved out of the stands? You could be in seminary and still be in the stands watching all this and getting good grades and checking all the right boxes and, uh, you know, being a, a good uh, catechist, uh, catechism student. But is Jesus for you the resurrection of life? When you have a situation uh, like our brother Mark, who's in the hospital, you know, he's uh, so questioned. That for him, he says, he, Jesus is more the resurrection and the life for him now than he was even before. That's what happens when through events, sometimes even tragic events, Jesus Christ comes to us and says, you're not the star of the story. This isn't about you. 
It's about me. For you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you have constantly shown your love and concern for us, but not in ways that we would predict. Um, Sometimes you utterly confuse us and confound us about your ways, but we know that your Son is the resurrection and the life, and that's all we need to know. Help us to cling to that promise every day as we face our trials and to rejoice every day in the fact that he is our resurrection and our life. For we pray in his name. Amen. Copyright 2017, Westminster Seminary, California. All rights reserved. You are permitted to reproduce and distribute this material in any format, provided that you do not alter the wording in any way and that you do not charge a fee beyond the cost of reproduction. For web posting, a link to this document on our website is preferred.